Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man that, well, if you remember the first time we recorded about Tumbleweed Connection, Jeff locked him in a closet, threw him a man in the moon, and, um, well, we let him out of the closet for, for this episode. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean... So for this episode, we have a special guest. Not only did he come heavily recommended by a friend of the podcast, Shannon Labrie, but we got pitched to him on this podcast, and we said, absolutely. His most recent record is called Lay It On Me. Please welcome to the podcast, Gabe Dixon. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. We're excited for this. Um, so I kind of let the, the, the cat out of the bag. So usually I, I wait... To, to, to say what album our guest chose, but because we've already we've already recorded an episode about Elton John's Tumbleweed Connection. However, it was early on in the podcast. Hmm. Um, this was before Wayne de- decided he wanted to be on every single episode. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so um, we recorded it with Katie Tupin, and um, but it's been a while. And so when you th- when you said, "Hey, I want to do Tumbleweed Connection," um, I kind of threw it to Wayne. I said, "Hey, I'm I- I'm cool with recording this again because I haven't heard your take on it, and I haven't heard Gabe's take on it because listening to your music, Gabe, I do see some influence from Mister <laughs> John. So I-, I definitely wanted to chat about that. All right, so I let the cat out of the bag. I'll shut up now. Um, let's talk. Let's talk about music, but first. We got to do the all-important question. Wayne, what T-shirt are you wearing? I think this ties in nicely. They got a kind of a, always had a 70s sound, but uh, this recently, this last Thursday, I got to cross another band off my bucket list when I saw the Black Crows do Shake Your Money Maker 30th <laughs> anniversary. They played all of uh, Shake Your Money Maker from uh, all 10 tracks, and then, some, then they went on and played some other stuff after that, ended with uh, Velvet Underground's rock and roll but a great show very the robinson good. brothers are in still in fine form very good very good <laughs> gabe how about you what t-shirt yeah. are you wearing earlier today i was actually wearing a blue uh, blue note uh, or, uh t-shirt like the club in new york but I actually changed and i'm wearing this um it says love your neighbor y'all this is a a charity in nashville called room in the inn it's just they uh especially in the winter they round up uh homeless people who are freezing their butts off and uh go find them a place to stay so i don't know i just like the logo it's kind of got this um again like it. a 60s kind of look to it yeah so, very anyway. cool <laughs> love it love it and we just gave some some free pub to a worthwhile charity as well so very good all right so um i am wearing my shake baby shake katie tupin t-shirt i figured <laughs> i better i better uh I better give her some props for, um, you know, we're stealing a little bit of her thunder. Um, I, d- I did have to go back. I wanted to check to see if anybody is going out and re-downloading that episode from two years ago, and they're not. So we're we're good. We're good. We're <laughs> right, good on this. Cool. I didn't <laughs> even know about that. So that's, wow. Okay, I'm glad I didn't because now I haven't heard it. So I'm I'm just coming right in. I didn't listen to it either. I was afraid uh, I'm going to end up having some of the same ideas Jeff did, but if that is the case, so be it. Um, 
here's here's the good news. I'm and I'm not going to try and do too much spoiler, but the overall scores are pretty similar in the top songs, but for the lower songs, not not so much. Okay. So yeah, so we're and this is why we continue to do this is because I I love hearing other people's take on music that's different than mine. Um, so, and he sometimes gets me in trouble because Wayne today, I, I, I posted out on Twitter that, um, fair warning from Van Halen that I said, this is my least favorite of the David Lee Roth era Van Halen albums. And I just got vilified. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta be careful. Yeah. It's, (laughs) but you know, I, I, hazards. It's it's one of the hazards of throwing it out there. Sometimes I do it. I I word things just to like poke the bears a little bit because <laughs> I want to see what their reactions are going to be. But I just love that people feel so strongly about it. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. I mean, you know, people just it, music just hits people differently. You know. Yep. I know with this record, it's like the context for me in, at that point in my life and what I'd already heard of Elton John was everything to like how it hit me you know yeah um so anyway yeah this is i i had not heard this record and i would say it quickly became one of my favorite records especially from from beginning to end like a lot of elton john records there's you know these two three big huge hits that every everybody loves i love this record for the you know, I I created a whole story inside this inside this record, song by song. Uh, it really, and top to bottom, it's it's just uh, it's stellar. Solid. It, it's almost like the soundtrack to a musical that never was. Uh, yeah, oh. and I'm going to get into it. I completely have a movie. I could I could write a screenplay based off these these ten songs. <laughs> Is Chris Christopherson in your movie? Maybe, like he, yeah, like I he was in a, a lot of those. Yeah, he was in a lot of those old like TV movies. Him and wasn't oh, Willie Willie Nelson. I'm looking okay. to get Tarantino right. involved in this. Uh, <laughs> I think we could really go somewhere. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Well, um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to jump ahead too much because I do want to talk, um, Gabe, about uh, about your new record. Lay it on me. Um, but I want to talk about your musical journey because. Your, I feel like your your resume it's downplayed a little bit because you've you have played with a ton of people, and maybe that's you just being humble. <laughs> uh, but um, you've played with Paul McCartney. Yeah. So how how long were you with Paul? I just played with him in uh, it was it was two thousand and one in okay. February. We played uh, I played on his Driving Rain record, so we were, which I thought you know my band uh, was recording in January with this guy David Kahn, who was the head of A and R and a producer at Warner Brothers Records, and okay. he was producing Paul's album the next month, and he uh, asked me to play on it, and I thought oh sure i'll come in and play a couple keyboard things i didn't even know if paul would be there or not but it ended up being like six weeks just every day hanging out with paul mccartney in a studio making this record 
Uh, so that was it. And then we did a one benefit during that time in L.A. And then we did uh, the concert for New York City after yeah. 9-11. Uh, that's, that was the extent of my stint with him. But it, um, I still think about it often because <laughs> he was kind of one of the... Well, like he and, you know, sort of like Elton and some of the other uh, people from that era, they, were, they had a big uh, impact on me and were part of the reason that I wanted to play music, you know, in the first place. So it, it was a pretty amazing experience for me. What did he provide any like advice to you since you were you were probably new to the industry at that point? You were yeah, probably I a mean, young pup at that point. Sure. I was. Yeah, I was 23. He. He, you know, his whole, he, everything just seemed like simple. Like he didn't overcomplicate things when it came to um, cre- creative ideas, coming up with what to do in the studio, like whether, whether it was, you know, guitar takes or bass takes, everything just was kind of, he was, he, he was really in touch with his creativity, it seemed like to me. And, and, you know, the most direct, simple thing is usually what he tried first. And I remember trying to think of like, we were talking about my album that I had just finished, and uh, and I said, yeah. He said, do you do you know do you know uh, what's going to be called or anything? And I said, well, I'm not really sure. It's just kind of there's not really a unifying theme, you know. It's just kind of a bunch of songs. And he was like, why don't you call it a bunch of songs? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was like, okay, there's an idea. I had not thought of that, Paul. Um, but that's, you know, that was sort of his advice to like, he had, has this songwriting academy or like a music school, uh, I guess in Liverpool, uh, and, uh, he was teaching kids how to write songs. And he said, one of the, you know, if, if, if the kid was like shaking their leg or something, just cause they're nervous, he's like, write a song about shaking your leg, you know, well, I'm sh- you know, just yeah. like whatever you're feeling and thinking, you know? Um, and he also just from the business side of things, Toward the end, we were doing this concert for New York City, and it wasn't. Uh, I had this record done, and it was about to come out on Warner Brothers, and and um, you know, it wasn't. Uh, we weren't sure. He he w- would have liked me to come out on the tour, and that would have been a lot of fun. But I was had a lot to consider, and he said, "Well, whether we keep going or not, I just want you to never hesitate to use my name, you know, to like forward your own career, you know." That's cool. It, which I thought was really cool of him, um, just to to say, don't don't worry about that, you know, because maybe who knows, maybe somebody else had thought, well, I don't want to, you know, try to capitalize on this, you know, but he was like, just we got, you know, we got to help each other out here, you know. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, that's that, super cool. That's, I, yeah, yeah. Throw my name around. See what that. See if that helps. Yeah, that might help you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So, so between yeah. Paul and now you're a member of the Tedeschi Trucks Band, mm-hmm. um, who, who else have you played with that you're downplaying that um, oh, you man. hung out with? I, I did a couple of tours with Supertramp um, yeah. who, in, in Europe and in Canada, and that was a blast. I, that was mostly a singing gig. I was singing lead because uh, one of the singers, the original singers, was not in the band. Right. So I sang a few of his songs. Which ones did you sing? Uh, I sang uh, Take the Long Way Home. I sang Dreamer. Okay. And I sang um, It's Raining Again. So they got you to sing all the high parts. Yeah. 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 That was okay. the, other, the other guy <laughs> singing Roger's parts was uh, Jesse Siebenberg. 
Um, and he was he would he sang like the lower ones, like yeah. Give a Little Bit and like School and a couple others. Yeah. And he said, I just can't, you know, I, could you help help and sing these high ones? So it was a good, it was a good. We were a good team, like because he really could rock out and sing sing those really well, and I could just go up to the heavens and yeah, <laughs> hope for the best with my singing. That's you know? that's awesome. So so, what is it like playing behind Susan and Derek? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I remember the first time I ever heard Derek, and I remember the first time I ever heard Susan. I mean, it was a long time ago, but uh, you know, I. I I heard about Derek, and uh, I knew about his relationship to um, his, his uncle, Butch Trucks, who yeah. was the drummer for the Allman Brothers Band. So I was kind of, and I heard he was amazing. So I went over and I heard him. I was playing Atlanta Music Midtown Festival with my band. This was probably 2001 or two. And I heard him from like a couple stages over. I just heard his slide, and I was like, what's that and i went over and heard it and, it was, and from that moment he's been my favorite guitar player um ever really um what's amazing about him is i feel like i've i've heard his name for like 40 years that's <laughs> but but he's only what like 42 43 uh, yeah and, and and he well because you might i mean you've almost heard his name for that long because yeah. he was a prodigy. I mean, he was playing gigs when he was like nine years old, Crazy. playing in clubs, and um, <laughs> you know, uh, and um, and so it's just it's really inspiring. I feel like we're we're kindred spirits musically, and it's just nice to play with somebody, him and Susan and everybody in that band. Really, they're all really great, and they push me to be better. You know, yeah. it's nice to be in a situation where I where I, I feel like I'm not the best. You know, like I, I, it sounds kind of arrogant to say that, but but it's just great to be in a place where um, where I can be inspired by the other musicians. And I remember the first time I heard Susan sing was uh, in at Jones Beach Amphitheater because uh, my band was playing the side stage, and I heard her sound checking from around the corner, and uh, it was just like, oh my gosh! So yeah, I've been a fan for a while, yeah. so it was. You know, as as sort of sad as the circumstances were of me joining that band, uh, with their keyboard player Kofi passing away, um, it f- it feels like a a good fit, a good you know, like it's I I, I it, I'll never like re- fit fully into those shoes because he was such an amazing flute player and musician, but um, I kind of what I bring I think is is also complementary you know yeah. to what they're doing. How did you get the call to join them? Um, it was late 2018, like almost around like Christmas, and they said uh, Kofi went to the hospital. So could you learn 45 songs and be at rehearsal in a week? <laughs> just just a sub for a couple months till he got well, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, you know he didn't. So here I am. <laughs> You're like, can I bring logical song with me? <laughs> um, no. Yeah, oh, I've been yeah. I've been on an Allman Brothers kick lately. So I did I did the Big House Museum tour a few weeks back um, on yeah. my way back from from Atlanta, and that kind of restarted my love. And I didn't really need much restarting because I mm-hmm. I love the Allman Brothers. Um, Same. Yeah. So so you even got Susan to sing on one of your tunes. So the song "I Got Your Love." Um, yeah. She she's on that fantastic mm-hmm. song. 
who I wrote I wrote that song with Shannon Labrie actually. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Shannon and I wrote that a handful of years ago, and it just kind of I write so I write so many songs like that you know you try to find a place for whether it's somebody else singing it or yeah. like try to get it in a show or put it on your album, and it just didn't fit anywhere for a while. It was this odd like soul duet kind of thing, and I. I didn't really know what to do with it, so I thought, well, I'll just put it on my next record, you know? And and uh, it was definitely a duet. It was the first song, song I've written as a duet, you know? Like, like, um, uh, so it came time to, when we, after we recorded it, me and Dustin Ransom, the producer, it came time to ask around for, you know, people to, uh, to, to like, what, what female singer would be great and so first person i asked was susan you know and she said yeah so lucky go. me inside you're cold and shaking know that i i will not forsake you grab hold of the line i got your love and you've got mine hold on tight this kind of love is hard to find Let's ride the tide and keep on rolling in Don't it feel so good to know that I've got your love, you've got mine Don't it feel good to know that I've got your love Oh, and you've got mine So, so do, are they going to let you like perform some of your songs? Like, maybe you be an opener for for a couple of dates or something? Yeah, I actually had I have opened. Um, so I opened for him in near Atlanta last weekend, okay. and then just uh, I, I opened for them at the Lock and Music Fest this past weekend. Very good. So that was really fun because it was my band, my trio, and then Marcus King band, and then. Uh, Tedeschi Trucks and then the second day it was my trio and then um, oh man uh, Jean-Baptiste and then Tedeschi Trucks band so that that's a, a thrill and then next summer I'm doing the their Wheels of Soul tour which they do every year okay. when it's not a pandemic um, <laughs> and the, and that'll be my trio and then Los Lobos and then um, I'll play in Tedeschi Trucks okay. so yeah been doing a lot of opening slots they've been very generous and i think they're genuinely fans of my music which kind of floors me because i'm such a fan of theirs you know so that's very cool it's gonna be fun yeah that's cool yeah and i'm excited because um i haven't been very vigilant about looking at tour dates in florida because like nobody's coming to florida right now because <laughs> it's kind of a dumpster fire of whatever down here yep and you guys are coming in november um, to Orlando. Yeah, as of now. <laughs> as of now, right. So, so I'm uh, I'm gonna have to go pick up some tickets and uh, see you guys. So, man, come on out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fun show. So let me talk. Let me just ask you a couple more questions about um, about uh, your your album. And then we'll jump into Elton. But um, the song "Don't Look Down." That's that's mm-hmm. totally my wheelhouse. Late '70s, early '80s vibe. Was that kind of the vibe you were going for? Um, maybe not so much yacht rock, but just kind of that AM gold from from that time period. Um, I think it sort of turned into that. Yeah, because uh, of the e piano. You know, 
I think it's the e-piano that, that turned it into that. Yeah, and that's one that, that's what I had to write with that one, one day. It was just like an electric piano, and then we had an acoustic guitar, and it was literally just... I didn't even, I didn't think of it as AM gold, but, you know, the more stuff we added, the more it kind of yeah. started to sound like that, especially once we put the synth stuff in, and, it, you know, it ended up being like this, this vibe... Uh, that I love. I've never had that kind of sound on a, on one of my records before, so it's nice to tap into some of the like a little bit of '80s, a little bit of like late '70s, because I got a lot of early '70s in my sound. I yeah. think sometimes, but but the yeah, I, I was I like how that turned out. I'm glad you dig it. When you um, when you got pitched to us, um, I listened to, to to some of your tunes, and I listened to uh, "I Believe in Our Love," and I thought there's no way that Gabe is not picking a Stevie Wonder album to talk about. <laughs> I did think about okay one of them. I I I thought about Original Musicarium, okay. but I know that's sort of like a that's sort of a, a collection, right? It's more, yeah. sort of more of a greatest hits than an actual album. So, but right. I just love that one so much, and of course, songs in the key of life. I mean, ugh, hi, hi, I mean, so all of his records, uh, you know, especially from that period. Uh, I just, yeah, I've just devoured them all. Uh, <laughs> so you can probably hear, yeah. I, I mean, that was one. That was the first song that Dustin Ransom, the producer, and I wrote and produced together okay. uh, it was the first thing we did and we didn't have any goal for it we didn't know we were making a record together it was just like one so- co-writing date and it, we had so much fun just doing whatever the heck we wanted you know because a lot of my songwriting ends up being oh we're trying to write for this market or this whatever Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this was just like two dudes with a bunch of <laughs> gear like writing what we felt like writing that day something funky and yeah and it just felt so natural and so much like me. I didn't think about when I listened back to it, like a little while later. I was like, "Oh, we're just ripping Stevie Wonder. <laughs> this is well, totally it, a rip." But it didn't. I didn't even think about it at the time. I was just doing what felt good. So it's a great combination, though, because the rest there's this kind of to me. And I I heard a little Reverend Al Green in there also. There's like oh, yeah. it has this great '70s soul vibe that. Um, it doesn't sound knocked off at all. It, that's, I think, what the charm of it is that it sounds totally legit. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Love it.
Wayne, um, anything else? I'm guessing, Wayne, you didn't like Don't Look Down because it has that that 70s vibe that I that I totally dig. No, I didn't hear anything that I didn't like. I did definitely like the title track has I I I definitely heard that Elton John tumbleweed connection vibe in there in in that. But no, I there weren't any songs that I that I heard that okay. I didn't like off the new record. You're not just that saying one. that because Gabe is on this recording. No, the two we've mentioned, uh, well, the the, the 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 title track and I believe in our love were definitely my highlights, yeah. but I didn't I didn't. I'm not shining yet. I, I liked okay. it all. All right. All right. Good enough. Those are fun. I always play those live lately from the those are the two that I like to the, they kind of get people moving a little bit. Love you know, it. Love it. It's fun. All right. Well, you've got the endorsement from from for whatever that's worth from from us. We I dig the album. Uh, Thanks. I've, I've, I've been spinning it a lot. I know I've been saying this a lot with uh, with our guests, but you know we had Abigail Dowd on recently. I love her record. Um, I'm super mm. excited because I've got Leah Blevins coming on the podcast here in a couple weeks, and I'm awesome. just I'm in love with her album. So, anyways, um, mm. let's let's get to it. So um, I've already I've already spoiled the. Um, what record did you choose? I guess mm-hmm. my question is, what other records did you th- did you think about? Uh, yeah, well, aside from Stevie Wonder, I mean, I think I thought of a couple uh, that I love, but they just felt like uh, sort of cliche best albums of all time kind of choices. Okay. Like uh, I thought of Kind of Blue. I thought uh, Miles Davis, Kind of Blue. I thought of. Um, Dark Side of the Moon. Um, we haven't done that one yet. You haven't? No, I think no. people are scared to 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 bite off of that big giant record. So yeah, well, that's one of my faves. Uh, and good one. oh my gosh, other ones. I mean, there there. Uh, I thought about Kid A, uh, Kid A from Radiohead, or okay. or OK Computer from Radiohead. I thought about. Jeff Buckley Grace, which um, Shannon Labrie did, she did, <laughs> she did. <laughs> That's that doesn't surprise me because she invited me to a uh, Jeff Buckley Grace tribute night, and I sang, um, uh, I sang one of the songs from that. She the brought, band. yeah, she brought that up on the recording. Do Do you remember <laughs> which one it was? Um, it might have been Last Goodbye. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah, I did Last Goodbye. Paul Simon Graceland would be another one. That one too. Which we just did that a couple of weeks ago with Mark Sibilia. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I got to say, actually, the one that would kind of be closer to like seminal for me and closer to my heart would be Still Crazy After All These Years. Okay. Because that's the one my parents had that yeah. I listened to when I was 11, you know, and just was totally floored by it. Um, never heard music that like sophisticated sounding <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense but it, it does and and Paul Paul is uh, somebody that I've known for years um, my first favorite song was Bridge Over Troubled Water back mm. in you know early eight, early 80s late 70s when I was first starting to get into music um, as a kid and it's only been in the last year or so that I've really started to appreciate him. 
Mm. So so I'm I'm now going back and I'm I'm purchasing all the uh, the 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 90s and the 2000 content and I just listened to Sorry, I had to go off a screen here for a second. I just listened to You're the One today. Oh yeah. That I have that one. That's great. Which uh Darling Lorraine is just such a great song. Such a great yeah. song. Oh. So anyway, that's that, yeah, that, that's and the record he did, right? He they're so deep with him. Like I, I know what you mean. Like I, I always liked him, but I didn't think I liked for a long time. I wasn't that into the Simon and Garfunkel stuff, but yeah, late. But I've gotten more into that lately. You know, just the songwriting and the kind of because some some songs, you know, the original version isn't even as good as the song itself. You know, to me, like yeah. I, I've heard people cover Bridge Over Troubled Water and they bring out the power of that song even more than the Simon and Garfunkel version, to, in my opinion. And that kind of has made me like appreciate him even more. You know, He, he also did an album, uh, right, I guess in the mid-aughts maybe, uh, with Brian Eno called Surprise that yes. was really good. Um, yes, that was one that I purchased. I'm like, what am I listening to? This is... This is Paul Simon. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's it, that's great. That's great as well. I, I I think I'd probably throw like a like Blood on the Tracks or something in there maybe like or or one of the Bob Dylan albums that I love. That'd probably be another yeah. of my uh, contenders. We've got um, Nashville Skyline coming out here in a couple of weeks. We've already recorded that episode. Um, awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, so so tell me how you got introduced to Tumbleweed Connection. Because it's, you know, Wayne mentioned it already that it's not one that um, is super well known. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't have any hits on it. No. In fact, there were no singles released from this record. I didn't know that. Okay. So the album reached as high as number five on the Billboard um, Billboard Top 200 albums, finished the year as the 24th highest charting album of, of what was that, 1970. It came out in October of 1970, but um, uh, hmm. I think they're talking about for 1971. 71. Yeah. I mean, I came to the album after already knowing some of Elton's stuff, you know, like the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road album. Sure. The, like, uh, the greatest hits. My parents had the greatest hits, and there was a compilation called Love Songs that had... So I'd kind of heard, like, you know, Crocodile Rock and, like, Rocket Man and all these... Your Song and all these great songs, and I really liked Elton a lot, but... I guess they had a friend over and they had, this was like probably in the early nineties. So I was 10 or 11 and they bought they their friend brought a, like a cassette tape that they had um, like burned, a, burned their CD of Tumbleweed Connection onto a cassette tape. Okay. And they were like, Hey Gabe, you know, our friend, he, he, he gave us this, I don't know if you've ever heard this album and I listened to it and like it, it was I've never heard anything so raw. Like uh, compared to Elton's other stuff, it just it had this um, it had this like urgency and like importance and like raw like artistic 
thing about it. Like, and like, it wasn't glossy at all to me. Um, and his voice was just, I mean, it really, it really impacted me. And to this day, it's, it's one of those, I, I can't say I would, I go and like sit down and listen to the whole record all the way through. Um, but I have to go every few months, at least I have to go and listen to Ballad of a Well-Known Gun just just to get like, get hyped up if i'm like i've like had a few drinks and i'm just like alone in my hotel room i just gotta like blast that in my ears for a few minutes to just <laughs> yeah enjoy enjoy that because it's like um I, it's I, I look at it now and i'm like this is a strange album i mean it's this these british guys who wrote these songs that i mean they're kind of about the American South, like maybe in the Civil War. I don't know, uh, but it, it it maybe they Elton was listening a lot to the band. I don't know the full story, mm-hmm. but I I love I love the band's albums and they're incredible. But this one, it, even though it doesn't have, they're you know they're not Amer they're not you know from the US so it's got this it's like a secondhand thing but the production on it actually sounds better to me like the like sonically the record sounds great and it's like a really awesome take on on like the band it's in some ways it's better than big pink to me cuz this know? was Cause recorded it's... in an actual studio instead of in being big pink <laughs> which was acting as a studio yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. and I mean, he just did it so well. You could tell he was just, you could just tell he was so inspired. I mean, not just by that, but just by the whole aesthetic of the sort of the, uh, the whole thing and just so full of energy. And the fact that it was piano driven made it unique. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. And, and, and it, to me, it really sounds like a band record on a lot of it. Yeah. Cause like, I guess it was uh, who's the guitar player? Like, is it Caleb Quay? Maybe is that his name? He, he the way he plays on "Ballad of a Well-Known Gun," it, it, like the way he sort of comps and like plays rhythm guitar on electric. It's just incredible. Like they really just rhythmically tapped into a cool energy yeah. on that song. I feel like so. Anyway, that's my first thoughts on it. I love it. Um, good, good takes, um, especially from the. It sounds a little more raw. I wonder if that is why the studio didn't release any singles off of this. Here's the context. So this is his third studio record. Second, second record came out um, was released in April of 1970, and that includes "Border Song" and "Your Song." Which are, yeah. you know, you listen to those. Those are super polished, even yeah. for even for, you know, that time period. Um, and and I'm sure once he brought the album to the the execs, they're like, uh, "What the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Um, well, I guess we put it out and we don't super promote it. Um, that's probably <laughs> that's probably what happened." Um huh. yeah so so during this time time period if you listen to the deluxe version there is a ver- an early version of Madman Across the Water which ultimately is going to be released 
soon hmm. after this. Um, yeah, on the uh, on that record, yeah. Madman record. Yeah. The, yeah, but it was a different version. Right, Mick Ronson's on the electric guitar in that one. Oh, yeah, huh? Um, so let me ask you this before we jump into this: Do you guys hear a single? <sighs> well, Country Comfort has too many verses, so it's okay. too long to be a okay. single. But go ahead. Yeah, Country Comfort actually was released as a single in, of all places, New Zealand. <laughs> That's the only place that there was a single from from this. Um, I, I mean, I think I think that there is. I think I think Country Comfort could have been. You mm-hmm. s- scale it down from the yeah. five five minute. I don't know, son of your father. I'm going to talk yeah, about that in a moment. I think that that's a single. Yeah, yeah. I could see that, especially because like that, it's got that kind of Jim Croce kind of feel to it that was yeah. that was getting big. I yeah, I could see that. To me, I just loved it as a an entire piece. Like I say, I really, I I I, I lumped it all together, and I felt like I I like I say I wrote a screenplay. I could write a screenplay on the way this plays out, and so I yeah. it was hard to hear, but I. When I listened to Country Comfort and I had heard that like Keith Urban covered it, I was like, absolutely, this would make country radio easily. It's got that that John Denver kind of country crossover feel to it that I could absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised I hadn't heard it covered before that. Yeah, yep. yeah, that one. I mean, yeah, I, I, I Amarina maybe could be mm-hmm. a single. It's kind of shorter and to the point and. You, you may know. still have to scale it down. It's almost five minutes. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. But I I think it's a single. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with all that. Like, I, I yeah, Th- those could have been... Sing- I, Son of Your Father, it's a good point about Son of Your Father. I mean, it's it's like, yeah, it could totally have been a single. Um, I don't know why they didn't try for that, but I'm, I'm not a music exec, so what do I know? I don't know either. <laughs> All right, um, enough about that. Uh, Let's dive into this. guys ready? Ready. Yeah. All right, so um, as a reminder, our scores are based off a number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many? Ten. Perfect ten, according to him. You can see the glee on his face. Um, All right, so that means our top song is going to get ten points. Next favorite is going to get nine points on down to least favorite gets one. So we're going to kick this off with Ballad of a Well-Known Gun. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna bring this up during the the course of the recording. Um, I stayed true to my original scores, um, and I shouldn't have, because 
listening to this again, I realized that there's a few songs on here that I really love more than I did two years ago when we did this originally. So, ah, so, um, I'll, I'll talk about those as, as we go on. All right. So Ballad of a Well-Known Gun, you've already mentioned, Gabe, that this is your jam. So tell, tell me, tell me about this song. Why do you love it? Well, uh, I, yeah, just, I mean, first of all, the, the background vocals in the core, at the end of the chorus where they kind of do that slide thing. I was, I mean, like it's, it was so freaking cool to me the first time I heard it, even still. And I, I looked up in the credits and it's actually Dusty Springfield what? is one of, is one of the vocalists on okay. that. And then I think the rest are, there are a couple other people that aren't in his band maybe, or one. And then, obviously, his his some of his bandmates were singing too, okay. like they often did. Um, and it's just funky. It's just like, um, and he, he he. I mean, he's always so expressive with his singing, and like, I don't know. It's just had this like epic quality to it, and it was just down home sounding to me. And it's the one. I don't know. You know how sometimes the first track on a record will kind of is the first one you hear, so you keep coming back to it. Yep. And uh, that's kind of, it's just like, it's a great way to open the album, and it's a great encapsulation of the spirit of the album. Musically, lyrically, um, the way the band plays together. It's great. Yeah. That's all I got to say about it. Yeah, I've already mentioned that I hate my scores for some of those. I gave this a six, and looking at you know looking at this from two years ago, I'm like, all right, I I say this all the time on the podcast. I want to be punched in the face <laughs> for for the first track, Sounds and like this does day. it. This 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 does it. So yeah, I guess Wayne for my crappy score. You, and I gave it a six too, but I and I've had it, and it's it's not that it's it's to me this is the the opening scene of this movie. This guy, yeah. because this is total. The one thing, and I and I had to reconcile is two different people. So one person writes the lyrics, and one person writes the music. So they're not always gonna gonna match up the way, at least that I I felt this song had. Because he surrenders, um, they approach him and ask, and he he gives up. You got to remember, this is the eighteen seventies, eighteen eighties. Record keeping and communication is horrible. All you have to do is give him another name. And this guy is also a professional killer. I think he could take his chances with a couple of these bowler-wearing Pinkertons. He doesn't have to. But the line, the line about the starving uh, family—that's guilt. Those—that's the—he's killed people's fathers. And so this is to me that this has been eating at him, and he gives up. And they send him to prison, mm-hmm. which is also interesting because usually. Uh, you're right after your court date, you're hung out in the middle of the town. So he's he's on a work. There's Chang Gang's reference. So that the second verse, it messes with my my movie a little bit, but we could change it down the line. But also yeah. the mention of Reno is interesting because the Reno gang, those guys were captured and were in custody and taken from custody by vigilantes and hung. So even though he's in custody, he could still be taken and killed. Mentioning that, also, I don't think it's an accident because I believe Clint Reno was the name of Elvis's character in Love Me Tender, which was his first movie. And 
Brits love him. And you're going deep here, man. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah so like I say, this is to Gabe me, this and I is are just like, the wow, whole we're thing sets up off on this man. present day, the well-known gun. He gives up, he's apprehended and taken into custody. And the rest of this movie is him, is some dreams and some memories of things that put him where he was, where that made him who he is and put him in this position with a big grand finale. Yeah. So he says, now I know how Reno felt yeah. when he ran from the law. Yeah. They were, yeah. So, the Reno gang, like, so he can relate. Yeah. They were, they were captured by the, in fact, two of the Renos were captured in Canada, extradited to America and 65 hooded vigilantes took shot the sheriff and took the keys and drug him out and hung him. So like they were in they were technically in federal custody when they were hung Ooh. by huh. non by non-law enforcement. So and so Did you that, know this before you started listening to this record? No, but I just felt like that I felt like he was saying something with that line. It just when he said I know how Reno felt, I I just knew there had to be more to it. And I came across the Reno gang and then it actually referenced this song. But yeah, they were, they, that gang and they were horrible. They robbed trains and killed people. And eventually they, they, that same happened to them. So sitting in this cell, he knows that this is not necessarily over that, that his, he Mm. could very well be taken to a tree and hung at any minute. And I think part of him, would accept that because like i say i think the rest of this record gets him to this point right here not and it's not tarantino because it does in my for me it goes somewhat chronologically okay Mm. all right and so yeah that that's fascinating uh, that you that you went so deep on that on the lyrics and the sort of cinematic thing to, to to even think of him as feeling like guilt and shame you know like it's like ah i give i give up you're you know you're right you know it's just i'm not i'm i'm done you know (laughs) i never i think this is this this was wayne just trying really hard because he's like jeff has already recorded an episode of Ah, this i got it i didn't even listen to that on purpose because like i say it was very (laughs) early on and i and you know what i I know we had this scheduled earlier, and I listened to it for a week, and then when it got bumped, it just gave me just more time Man. to listen to it, which this has become one of my favorite records just for stuff like that. I think there's a lot of cool little stuff in in these songs. Yeah. All right. Um, I already gave you my score. This is my six. Wayne? Also a six. And then Gabe? I this is ten. This is the one I always go back to. Not necessarily because it's like the most wonderful song or lyrically, you know. It just hits a nerve. It just hits my yeah. happy, happy spot. There you go. All right. So. Uh, second song on the record, "Come Down in Time." Well, I don't know if I should have heard her as yet, but a true love like hers is a. Hard love to get and I I walk most all the way and I I ain't heard her call and I I'm getting to thinking if she's coming at all Come down in time So I gave this my one. 
because I, do, mm-hmm. I don't like the sequencing. And you know what? Uh, I, I originally had this too. Yeah. The, my only complaint on the record is you go from such a great song. I'm going to talk about the third song, which is one of my favorites on the, on the record as well. And it just feels like it's a complete downer. And maybe that is the mood that they're going for based off of what you just said, Wayne. About yeah, and I had I, I did the same thing because I it's not only um, it's not so much that it's a downer, but it it we just went from this real country rock western feel yeah. to something that sounds very seventies radio. It has I even hear a little bit of your song in it, mm. um, so mm-hmm. that immediately turned me off. But like I say, once this once this screenplay starts playing out of my head, this is very much I a dream, and you know Amarina. Is, is he's hearing you know angels like somebody who's passed is he's hearing mm-hmm. her he, he even you know he says that I can I can st- I still hear her say so he's having this moment where he's starting to you know what he's he's going to start going through his life and looking at some of the instances that made him who he is and like I say there's that love interest that they just they just bring out a little bit in yeah. this part, right? So it has a very dream sequence, but as I listen to it, it's, I think it's a, it is a very well done song. It doesn't mm-hmm. perfectly fit the mood that he's, but they're going to get back to it. So I eventually forgave him and, and succumbed. Yeah. It, it, this was my number eight. So I, I, I this to me is, I, and uh, this probably, it's one of my favorite songs on the album. I, and I think part of that is because it is so different from a from so many of them and i mean it's just it's just harp and and vocal at the beginning and and the the lyrics they're 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 really poetic and kind of um uh the, 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 they're sort of more poetic than something like talking old soldiers which is more kind of dramatic theatrical kind of mm-hmm. thing um even though that's also kind of a um, uh, you know, uh, a more more of a downer too, um, but this one is for me. Come down in time is all about the second verse when the when the orchestra comes in. That's like well, I don't know if I could have heard hers yet, but uh, like and the orchestra just like swells to this because you have you start the song and it's like this almost two dimensional harp and vocal thing yeah. and then that verse comes in after the first chorus and it's like this 3d it's like it becomes epic it's an overused word but it, it's just completely epic to me when that orchestra comes in paul buckmaster's string arrangement um and the end the way it you know there are women women and some hold you tight while some leave you counting the stars in the night and it sort of ends musically in this unconventional like unresolved way um i just i dig it yeah <laughs> yeah there's a there is a piano version on the deluxe edition so there's no oh. so there's no harp or strings i gotta say the harp and strings make the song what it is because it has it provides that haunting soundscape so to speak Mm -hmm. for it yeah i mean that i think that's part of why i love it it's just the way it's arranged and also the like lines like um 
um, a cluster of night jars sang some songs out of tune. Yeah. You know, a, a mantle mantle of bright light shone down from the down from the room or something. You know, it's just like painting this beautiful picture. Uh, it's like an art piece to me. Yeah. And it is kind of odd that it's the second song, but it's sort of like this weird introspective song. Um, I didn't used to like that. I'd always skip the second I'd always skip it. But now I, I really love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, this was, this was my, this was my one. And uh, mm-hmm. I feel bad about the score. Cause I, <laughs> I, I do don't feel bad, man. I do love this song. I really do. There's not a bad song on this record. Um, it's really great. Uh, Wayne, what was your score? A four. This one, like I say, at one time I agree, it was my lowest score, and I think that it was the different. You know, okay. they had they sucked me in with this kind of western. There's a you know a country rock sound to it, and then they they yeah. go they it felt like they were going back to what got them here and something that much more resembled your song. But then when you do hear the lyrics and then you do see, I mean, there's a genuine, like, this is this guy's, he's contemplating his impending doom. And the first thing he thinks of is this, this one woman. And I feel like mm-hmm. she comes back in more, in several songs throughout this. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But the whole, some leave you counting the stars in the night, that, that makes me think that she, she like, like is that her he's talking about like she left him or she's like wouldn't or she's wouldn't, in heaven didn't I, want him to stay know. Yeah. you know that's it's it's thought provoking I don't know <laughs> now you got me one to like create a, a story around this thing that's you guys that's cool. yeah you guys get together and write a screenplay write a screenplay too you've already got the soundtrack so just write the screenplay alright um, Country Comfort is next This one used to be my favorite by far uh, as a kid. This is my um, second favorite song on the record. Okay. Um, I dig it. I, and my notes are, how in the world was this not a single? <laughs> was it because the steel guitar is too much for people that knew your song only? Uh, was this I, such know, an think, about face? I do think, though, that's part of it. I think genre had a much more stronger hold yeah. back then. and. This I think this would have played great on country radio, but he's Elton John, um, mm-hmm. and so that's yeah. not going to work. He has to be on FM, rock radio, and so I think that's a yeah. lot of the reason that this wasn't that there were no singles that that the record company was confused at what to do because I think I think some like this song would have absolutely played on country radio. Been yeah. a, could have been huge, but like back then you couldn't. You couldn't cross over like that. Well, let me let me tell you how other people viewed it. So Rod Stewart thought it was good enough for a recording that he did. It's on his Gasoline Alley um, hmm. record that was also that also came out in um, in that time period. So, and you already mentioned Wayne. You already mentioned that Keith Urban recorded a cover of that. That's on his mm-hmm. 2004 album, Be Here. It's just a great song. 
It's and yeah. and again, I, I think that if you if you would have maybe shaved off thirty seconds, forty seconds off of this, this is a single and this is a hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's great. Time. Yeah, I remember when the last verse comes in. Every time the last verse comes in, I'm like. Uh, they should have, you know, they should have ended the song by now, or this should have been a double chorus. Yeah, but that's just I don't. Just from a songwriting standpoint, even though there's a, still a lot to say in that last verse, it just kind of feels like nothing new musically can happen there. And it's like if you wanted this to be a single, you know, we, you, this is you're good. You, you can just stop right now. Yeah. But the the part of me that loves this record course wants to hear the last verse is it you know? is it not a single because there isn't a chorus to this oh there's a chorus this one yeah i, I guess i mean it sounds like a chorus to me yeah. okay uh, okay. yeah and i would say i the last verse i agree because the last verse seems like a lot of kind of country cliches or or sayings whereas the uh-huh. first first you know three four verses are telling us about all these cool characters that were in the town that the well-known gun grew up in you know old clay who's Mm -hmm. that guy that that get off my you know lawn guy who thinks horses you know and steam engines are you know ridiculous and we can do this with horses deacon Mm -hmm. lee his grandmother you know the 84 year old woman who's who's running a farm and just needs a little bit of help Poor, um, poor old girl. Yeah. She needs a hand. There's all these great the characters and all this really cool stuff, these vivid childhood memories that I think are so important. And like I say, the end, he doesn't, I, I don't think it, I like the song all the way through, but I could see where Gabe sang is you could, you could have left that off and hit back to the chorus. Okay. And because there's not, because all of the really good, juicy stuff happens before that. It, not, but again, I mean, it's uh, musically and just lyrically it's it's just like i mean it's definitely kind of on the nose you know as far as like um it's a country song about the country but uh grandma's going to church and all kind but it's it's just it you, you transports you there you know mm-hmm. like the lyrics and the music it's just beautiful and the fact that it's led with piano i mean the piano intro i re- always remember because we would listen to this when we were driving to the Smoky Mountains, like me and my family when I was probably 12. And we'd hear the first couple songs, we'd come down in time, and then it was like, whoa, that's weird. You know, it ends that way. And <laughs> right. then that piano intro comes in on Country Comfort, and it's just so, like, yeah. comforting. Yeah. Like, it's really just, um, you have to realize you're talking to somebody who I I didn't like he- I, I have a weird connection to this record because I heard it when I was 12. And not when I was older, so I don't. I'm almost. I'm kind of biased toward liking. We, you know, like inherently liking it, almost like it's a, ch- a child or something. <laughs> you know, uh, so I don't hear. I don't listen to it critically as someone who's been listening to songs and writing songs and playing music my whole life. Um, uh, it's just. It's got these weird. It's in a weird context for me, but yeah, country comfort. It was number six for me. Okay, Wayne. A five, like okay. I say, I think you're. He's he's awaiting death, and the first thing you do is think of the love of your life, and then a simpler time. Okay, easy enough. All right, this is my nine. All right, son of your father is next. Yeah. 
you already mentioned the band earlier. This is very much the band. In fact, for this for this on the previous recording, we kind of did talk about how this was this took this took guest co-host Jeff down a band wormhole <laughs> because of this song. Um, and it definitely has those vibes to it. This this is my favorite song on the record. And I don't know if it is because I've been in that headspace for the last couple of years. I dig the band. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a great song. And again, I go back to, to me scratching my head at why there were no singles off of this record. This is a single. I don't get I don't get it. I don't get it. So, anyways. Yeah. This is I I think everything about this song is awesome to me. I, I, there's something that bothers me about the production of it. I, I love the instrumentation, but like something about his voice, the way it's doubled, it's almost like there's like a weird phasing thing going on. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like flatter than a lot of the other songs, unless uh, uh, it, it, it's 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 like more two D sounding to me. Okay. Uh, until you get to the chorus and it just like explodes, it explodes and you yeah. get the horns coming in and it's just like ah. I mean, I've totally ripped this song off with one of my songs <laughs> called "Till You're Gone." Um, just just like if you listen to it, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. But it's like ah, uh, yeah. I, I don't have much else to say about it other than I I do love this song. I this was f- this was four for me. Yeah. Wayne, you're you're somewhere in the middle between my ten and his four. Yeah, I gave it a seven, and in my narrative, this is an instance from his childhood that he remembers, um, and possibly later on realized the 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 message in it or the lesson. I mean, uh. <laughs> The, the golden rule, like do unto others as they would do unto you. I mean, have a little, you know, your Christian duty to your fellow man. Neither of them, neither of them adhere to that. And like I say, this is, it, and it's all scored with this barn burning, but this is a story of a one-eyed blind farmer with a hook hand who threatens a hobo with a shotgun over $20. Yeah. And the, yeah. and the, 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 the hobo talks him out of it. Use because you know I, the son of your father is a very it's it is a, in a very Christian kind of manner like you know and so you're you're a Christian you're a son of God and then he goes and then he mocks him and you can't fight a one armed blind man with a shotgun you're gonna both end up dead it's it's insane yeah. and so you know what if they would have either one of them would just showed a little bit of charity or a little bit of humility they could have both walked away and because of that. They both mm. ended up dead. And but at this according, point, but according to the lyrics, for charity is an argument that only leads to harm. Yeah, well, because you can't argue over it. You got to show. You got. You can't. It can't be show. an argument. Okay. It has to be. It has to be. Get, like I say, he had him talked out of it. That's my favorite part of the story. Is <laughs> he, he talked him out? Yeah. he talked him out of it, and he could have yeah. just backed out down the street. But you know what? He had to. <laughs> he had to run his <laughs> mouth. And next thing Do you, you know. Do you think the guy knew his father, or knew of his father? Yeah, I. You know what? I, and I had. I first thought there was a father-son connection, like almost like it could have been his father, uh, but 
I think the way it sings and the way the the way it's referenced, it felt much more like he's calling his Christianity into question. He's mm. saying, oh, you know gotcha. what? Yeah. You you believe in God. You're supposed to be a good Christian man. God, you like gotta, God the yeah, Father. You gotcha. gotta let me yeah. go. That's your duty as a Christian right. is to let me go. And he and he bought it. Um, and he <laughs> and he just he. Just wouldn't let it lie there. So so after this recording, I want you guys to swap phone numbers so that you guys can write this. You can write the this musical. screenplay, the, the musical. <laughs> this is Broadway right here, man. All right. Um, I think we got all the scores. All right. Let's go to My Father's Gun. Why not rest until I know the cause is fallen one from this day on. my father's gun I like to know where the riverboat sails tonight to New Orleans well that's just fine alright cause there's fine in there and my company needs man so still Wayne, you and I intended to revisit the uh, soundtrack to Elizabethtown when we did our Cameron Crow month a few years ago. Didn't happen. Our guest kind of preempted us recording that episode, and we never went back to it. This is definitely prominent in that movie. Orlando Bloom's character is driving his father's ashes across the U.S. and listening to some music in his vehicle. This is one of the songs. Gabe's looking at oh, me. Oh, really? Gabe's looking at me like, oh, <laughs> you you probably have not watched the movie. No, the soundtrack. Um, which you, by the soundtrack. You don't you don't need to. You don't <laughs> okay. need to. Right. The soundtrack is fantastic. Yes. Patty Griffin's oh, on absolutely. it. Um, oh, you know the, Tom this Petty, song. Uh, what, what what movie is this? Elizabeth Town. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a great. It's not a great Cameron Crowe movie, but the soundtrack's phenomenal. Um, cool. Again, this is a single. Make a radio edit of this. I love this song. That's so good. I, I, I mean, yeah, it goes on a little long for my taste, but it, it's the beginning of it. It's just so freaking tender and like, it's odd because there's sort of like. <laughs> sympathizing with a rebel soldier mm -hmm. and you know and like it's almost like kind of like breaking bad you know how this sort of like you kind of uh there's this was this trend kind of in movies to sympathize with the bad, the bad guy, guy. And bring out his yeah. humanity you know and i i kind of love that you know they they they're just like go all in on this guy's plight and i think that it's much more um to me that part of what I why this song is so strong is for the not for the things it, that it says is for the things that it doesn't say because I think they do go on like you say about the you know the cause being just and I and I did had a problem with that early on mm -hmm. but when mm -hmm. I when I look at it from the sense of um kind of a socioeconomic standpoint this is a yeah. the poor white kids in the south that didn't live on plantations Right. That's, you know, to talk them in, just like 
there's always rhetoric that goes along with talking young men into thinking it's a good idea to go shoot at other young men. And mm-hmm. so from that standpoint, I mean, this kid believes this. And I, and I think what it does for me in the context of, of the way I'm listening to this is set him up for a big, for, for the point of disillusionment, like during this war, not that they don't necessarily mention, he, he realizes that all we're doing is shooting each other, that all these young men that bought all of this rah-rah uh, heritage and tradition and all of that, is, are, they're dead. They're ending up dead. And it, it is, mm. it's all for nothing. I think, this, to me, this is the most pivotal point in, in, the, in the, one of the most pivotal points in the well-known gun's life. I think it also reminded, I think the gun is a metaphor. Um, I'm the oldest son of the oldest son, and mm-hmm. I, the idea of the gun being handed down, I think, is a great metaphor because it's dangerous. It's what you use to protect your family and enforce the rules. But it's it. There's a lot of responsibility that comes along with the gun, and that, and not even as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. In actual actuality, you can't just wield that nonchalant. Somebody could get hurt. Right. So it's the ready. idea, it's... and it also reminded me of that Leonard Cohen song. Um, was it Night Comes On, where there's a verse in there about his father gives him the books and his gun, the history hmm. and the power to protect your family. And I, it's just, a, it's like I say, as the oldest son of an oldest son who, you know, my father's in his 70s and smoked Marlboro mm-hmm. Reds for 50 years. I, at some point, that weight will be passed on to me. And even though I don't have that kind of maybe the closest knit family, that will still fall to me. I will be, I will I will, from that day forward, own my father's gun. Yeah, it's the responsibility of, you know, being the man. The the not just the not the son, it, not just the son anymore, but the 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 patriarch or whatever you yeah. want to call it. Like you know, that's sort of like a, a a moment of. It's like what do you call it? A, I guess a rite of passage, but sort of a heavy. Uh, burden and responsibility and almost an honor you know that they capture really well in this song absolutely so if you don't have a enough music for your musical here wayne you can throw in that leonard cohen song as well into the soundtrack <laughs> yeah so yeah. like i say uh politicians start wars but it's young men that have to go fight them and i think that's yeah. key to this whole thing yep. yeah all right this is my seven. Wayne, your score. Uh, this was my favorite song. Like I say, it hits me very personally. I also did have um, like already a connection to it from my my wife was uh, my second wife was a huge fan of that movie for some reason. I think a lot of it was Orlando mm. Bloom, um, but she was also a fan of the soundtrack and we listened to it a lot. And uh, um, this was always my favorite song off of okay. that. Okay, Gabe, what's your score? This yeah, this this is my five, okay. which. Um, yeah, it was. This was a tough. This was tough to uh, <laughs> tough to rank. Oh, we get it because <laughs> there are so many good songs yep. on this record. We get it. All right, uh, this is where we flip over the record. This is uh, where to now, Saint Peter.
and I'm looking at my score from previous. Uh, I gave it a five last time, and I would not have given it my five um, this go round. It would be lower. Um, mm-hmm. I think I gave it a five originally because it's. I won't say it's the outlier on this record, but it does have with the little guitar pieces that come in definitely feels different than the rest of the record with the exception of maybe mm-hmm. come down in time. But, um, yeah. I think I gave it extra points for being a little different. And now I'm listening to it again. I'm like, yeah, I don't really like that different as much. Still like the song, but yeah. Love the riff, mm-hmm. the piano riff at the top, and and the the sort of the concept, the idea of it. It's like, you know, am I, you know, am I, am I, am I doing right? You know, is I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'm good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> Where do I go? But you know, um, but I don't. I know this was sort of a three for me. Okay. Um, I, I do like some of the produ- production, but. It falls it falls a little flat compared to some of the other songs, okay. which is not saying that much bad about it because there are a lot of great songs on the record. But yeah, Wayne, anything? Anyway. Wayne, yeah. Um, Let's see how this fits into his screenplay. Oh no, this is. I mean, if you're talking about your um, your mortality, I mean, you have to start asking yourself, you know, am I am I am I really a bad person or have I just done some bad things? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, the question of, you know, when you get to St. Peter and you've got to basically defend your life. um, And like I say, you have to decide, you have to prove to him or at least show him that, yeah, maybe I did some bad things, but I've done some good things. This isn't necessarily, I'm not necessarily a bad person. I like you. I think that heavily affected good rock guitar throws the whole vibe off for me but it does have a kind of a spacey dream i think he uses some weird like a blue canoe i don't know it yeah. just it was a weird image like of all the things that's you can the merlin you know, sleep that he's talking about I don't know. yeah and i thought he I might be bernie toppins i mean sometimes try i think this time he he gets a little i don't know it's almost trying too hard like i get it it's it's supposed to be kind of magical or mystical and merlin is obviously gonna conjure that up but he's stayed so kind of wholesome and and down home on the rest of this to get to get a little weird it it definitely didn't fit right but i i I can see this guy who is knows that the end is possibly very soon and what is he going to do to get himself into heaven and you know he has to reconcile the those things that he's done with who he really is okay Mm -hmm. all right yeah all right scores what do we got? I already told you this, this is my five. Gabe, what this you was got? My three. Okay, three. Wayne, this is my two. All right, next song is love song. And only song on the album not credited to John and Toppin. 
Uh, songwriting credits go to Leslie Duncan, who is the, oh. the, the, the female voice that you hear on this. Um, I had to, uh, had to look up some info on her. So, um, she was mostly a session singer and she mm. worked mostly with Dusty Springfield talking about oh. going back to mm. what you were saying about Dusty. So she may have also sang on Ballad of a Well-Known Gun in the choir kind of Possibly. Leslie Duncan Possibly. with Dusty. Yep, because she also provides some vocals for Madman Across the Water that comes out the following year oh, okay. as well. Huh. So, and in exchange, um, Elton plays piano on I think one or two songs off of her f- first solo record that she did. So, oh cool. Um and also you can hear on the studio recording of Jesus Christ Superstar. Wow. There you go. There's her there's a little resume on Leslie Duncan. Um I'm looking at scores and I just I'm shaking my head a little bit because uh, I gave this an eight the first t- first go round, um, probably because I'm a sucker for the female male harmonies and Elton and Leslie are it's beautiful like I, yeah. I, I love the harmonies. Um, I would not have given it an eight this go round. This would probably be my three or four uh, if I had to do it all over again. But I stayed true. Stay true to my mm-hmm. scores from, from previous. Um, Wayne, I see that this is your lowest. Yeah, well, there's no piano in an Elton John song. That doesn't make any sense to me. And <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a Top and John uh, composition, which, like I say, yeah. uh, I think when you've done, done so well to this point and even in, on into the future, I think I'd, I'd, I'm baffled by the idea of playing somebody else's song. Um, it just, so this doesn't make it into I think it Wayne's up, musical, is what he's saying. Oh, I no, he's I think replacing it, replacing it, it with a Leonard Cohen song up, instead. I think it sets up the next song. I mean, I think yeah, it does. I think this song is key to his, you know, because I think there's a big. I mean, in my movie, this is a big reveal. He's kind of mentioned this girl, this woman, um, a couple of different times, and I think the next song. Uh, he's gonna. He's going to talk about her by name, and I think this is a key setup to that. This was never one of my favorites. Um, she, she uh, they sound great together, and sometimes I'll really kind of get a nice little chill listening to it. But for the most part, it sort of drags on a little bit to me, uh, and it's pretty static, you know, as a song musically, and the the form. It just kind of repeats the same form over and over, and yep. the lyric—I mean, the the melody's not strong enough, really, f- to have that work for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the but um, but yeah, you know, I gave it a I gave it a two. Okay. I usually skip this one, but I do like the way their voices sound together okay. a lot. I love how you say it drags on. This is the second shortest song on the record at three forty. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess that says something about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so you already mentioned Wayne. This this is a good lead up to Amarina, which is the next song. Yeah. 
Have you guys ever met anyone named Emma Arena? No. Yeah, I guess have it. You? No, I, I, I guess it just didn't have the. Like I've met a, a few Rhiannons. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure that th- they were born right around the time that Fleetwood Mac song came out. Um, <laughs> it, you know, come on, this is this is again where the studio let them down. That you know. <laughs> Elton could have had all of these uh, young women named after his song, and it's not. That's right. Um, oh, well. This is another one that I'm looking at my score and going, what? I gave this a four. If I rescored it, this would be much higher. This is a great, great song. I agree. Wayne's shaking but his head was, at me. It's no. it's phenomenal. To me, this is like the the lyrics and the music match just match perfectly together and i love like there's this it's very sexual like if you if you look at the words you know lusty flower there's literally it says rolling in the hay um there's a line about juice juice. yeah dripping down her bronze body but the way it comes out it sounds i mean they're even referenced it's puppy i mean like there it's as innocent as puppies he absolutely this is that girl that you see and the first time you see her you know that that's the only girl you ever want to see again, and so yeah. all of this, all this innuendo just seems incredibly genuine and innocent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I, I and I, I the the song is very focused to me. Like I know exactly what it's about, and it's the lyrics are beautiful, and it's like just a pure. I, I'm a sucker for kind of like pure you know professional kind of professing kind of love songs and man i just love the images i just imagine you know this woman in a cabin like near a meadow and you know um she's i i i I, this was like a number seven to me like it's a very succinct kind of song it's even though it's what five I don't know how long it's the song almost is. five minutes, yeah. But it's got this piano riff that's just like boom, and then right into the to the verse, and the verse doesn't go like um, it's just it doesn't go on too long. The chorus doesn't go on too long. It just says what it wants to say, and I love the changes in the chorus. The way it goes to the well, you know, goes up to it descends in this way. You don't necessarily expect it to, um, like harmonically. And I mean, Elton was just a master. He was, it was just a master of finding these great changes and melodies that worked with them, that kind of surprised you and took you to a higher place. Um, man, like, and yeah, like you say, it, it had it has this like sort of just playful, loving, sexy thing about it. You know, you just imagine Amarina. It's almost like you think of. I think of uh, that. What's that Paul Simon song? Uh, Home or something? You know, where my thoughts escape, where my love lies waiting silently for me. You know, it's like this intimate 
thing that but it seems like they're far away you know uh i don't know he because are, are they together in the song i think she's yeah, well he even says in the very first line is lately i've been thinking about how much i miss my lady yeah so it's like he's having this like intimate moment with the thought of her you know just being hanging out by herself just looking in this beautiful in this eider down which i had to look that word up. yeah i did too absolutely <laughs> and it creates a great image i mean because when you hear it you know it does sound soft and fluffy and and thank goodness it's exactly what it says it is a, a down comforter or blanket so yeah i just there's an innocence to it and a genuine love like that and i and like i say i feel like he's been referencing this love um throughout in in a three or four different places and then here this is to me this is the big reveal and it's Amarina and I just see her in my mind this beautiful dark skinned black haired girl that yeah. like I say the minute he saw her he knew he would he would literally do anything for her. out of all the songs on the record this is the one I've most seriously considered actually covering <laughs> at some point um it's it's just it's just awesome um and it hasn't been overdone, you know. No. I don't. I've never heard anybody do this one. Uh, but yeah. All right. I hate my four. Um, <laughs> Wayne, <laughs> Wayne, <laughs> Wayne, what do you got? Eight. Okay. And Gabe. I got seven on Amarina. All right. Talking old soldiers is yeah, next. Right. You can see me here most every night. You always see me staring at the walls and at the lights. Funny, I remember, oh, it's years ago, I'd say. I'd stand at that bar with my friends who've passed away. And um, my notes from previous is... um, you can tell everybody this is your song. I feel like the beginning, he kind of lifted a little bit, which, you know what? You can't plagiarize yourself, right? What, what did he say in the beginning? I, d- I, d- I just feel like a little bit of that piano interlude is, you know, just as if I was a sculpture, then again, no. It just, I don't know. I, oh, right. I hear, I hear, I hear your song. Which again, hey, it was a hit for you. Nice callback, I guess. Um, yeah. Go for it. Well, except your song was was major. Um, this one's kind of got to me. I, obviously, he he's still Elton, so he's got a similar style yeah. to himself. But to me, this foreshadows songs of his, like uh, like sorry seems to be the hardest word or something because it's that like dramatic minor kind of descending almost like brooding kind of dramatic thing that i don't know where it comes from but it's it's like uh it's sad it's it's like a it's a sad song yeah yeah to me but it's got that same arpeggiated thing as uh, as as your song, you know, but it's it's in a minor key, so it's more like melancholy to me, you know. Yeah, Wayne, anything on this one? And, and I I think the song is important, and I like that um, they break 
there's something between Amarina and the and the big finish. Um, and I do like the story that's being told, because like, say, if you look at what I had said about my father's gun, this is a Civil War veteran who's gone on to kill people for a living um, through whatever experiences have, have led him to that. And this is another guy. I mean, I think we associate PTSD with Vietnam and, and I, the wars in Iraq and Iran. But any ever since young men have been told to go somewhere and kill other young men, people have been struggling with this. And this guy ends mm-hmm. up drinking. He's the town drunk and he, and, and he sits down next to this guy and he, he knows, he knows what he's seen. He's seen the same things. And so he buys his beer or whatever. And that, that memory, I mean, he, this could have been him for different circumstances. He went a different way, but he knows what that guy has gone through and he knows what he has seen. Um, and he, and like I say, it's a dark brooding piano. I, I don't, I, it was one of those ones that was hard to score because I do honestly think it's important and I like the story. Um, mm-hmm. but it has that kind of almost talking, singing kind of a thing that sometimes just doesn't work completely, but I love what he's saying. Like I say, right. I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. yeah sort of n- not my cup of tea exactly as far as a song style, but it's the the narrative is nice yeah yeah Yeah. all right um this is gonna end up being our lowest score um scored song this was my three wayne a three and then gabe this was a one for me all right let's wrap this up burn down the mission just gonna throw this out i just i i want to punch myself in the face for <laughs> my score i gave it a two originally and i'm like i i listened to I it like again. i'm gonna punch you i i listened to it again today and i'm like what the hell was i thinking this this song burn down the mission. this is how you end up this, this is how you end a record so yeah i mean okay this to me is by far I mean, I think it's one of the greatest songs he's ever written. Yeah. First, I mean, I you know, I just from a because it's so cre- it's so creative and, and original musically, lyrically, uh, lyrically, it's kind of like all right, uh, it's just an empowering kind of let's take what's ours, let's you know, let's let's. Um, I mean, it's a great it's a great song lyrically, but musically to me, it's just incredibly awesome uh, the verses i've never heard anything like the verses uh there's that in fast instrumental this is the one when i was a kid that i used to just play uh, all the time as a 13 14 year old I'd, i i learned this song note for note and just rocked out on it by myself on the piano um because it's so uniquely elton john um and i didn't even know what what it was about 
I don't know what any of those lyrics meant, you know, but it was so exciting. Um, and Elton probably didn't, he didn't think much of it either because he wasn't even the lyricist, you know. He just got these awesome lyrics and just like, oh, here, you know, how about this? Yeah. Um, and the music matches the tone. Uh, yeah, I of think the so much of well. the story is told yeah. Yeah. in the music. Like, yep. the, you know, the, the rallying up everybody, getting everybody charged up, and the battle, and then the loss. I think to me, the, that's, the interesting um because everybody loves a, a happy ending they they lose and they drag him off like keeps are notoriously yeah, hard to point. take um so the coup <laughs> right. is a failure and it cost yeah. him and in my in my narrative it costs him amaria and he does mm. he go on i don't i don't know how he fits after this but to me this was this is the card he plays to St. Peter to get into heaven. Like, this is very Magnificent Seven. Like, it's mm. a complete underdog story. Like, this town is being, uh, is under the thumb of this rich, you know, warlord, landlord, and he, whether he's the one in the story that charges them all up or whether he's just one of the guys that charges the keep to try to save the town, to try to do the right thing, and and he and he fails. It, but he tried. Like I say, that to me, this is his big moment of redemption. This is the thing he tells St. Peter that he did mm. that was completely selfless. Um, and that's heroic. He's, and- he's, a, he's, he's a hero deep down. Like I say, all the bad things are not, it's not who he is. Like I say, in, in Well-Known Gun, part of that story is he's, he's known for what he's done and who and what he does for a living and not necessarily who who he is as a person and i think this is a tale that that highlights that that he he is he's done good things he's not just all of the fathers of starving children that he that he killed for money <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah he's got some altruism some heroic altruism like, yeah there was a time when he would when he would stand up for what was right and he would fight against in insurmountable odds, uh, just for the <laughs> woman he loved and the town that she lived in. All right, that's a great take. <laughs> I'm I love it. So I don't listen to my previous episodes. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna go back and listen to what I had to say on this because I'm like I don't know what the heck I was thinking. Two, come on. Um, what what was your score, Wayne? Oh, this is a nine. Um, like I say, I yeah. just see the well-known yeah. gun yeah. awaiting the gallows, and this is the this is what's going on behind, as he's as they're walking him out to the noose. The one good thing that he yeah. feels like he did that is going to get him to heaven. Yeah, I, I, this was a nine for me as well. And I, I it, you also have all of the elements, all like pretty much all the musical elements coming together. You know, you have the full band and the orchestra and the horns. It's like a finale almost, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for the record. It's the, yeah, it's the big, it's the grand finale. All right. Um, so this is where I say, did we cover it? Did we miss anything? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure we covered it. And, and then we added our own little imaginations yeah. to this. Didn't we Wayne? All right. Um, yes, I did. Yes. Okay. Um, any guesses on number one? But by the way, we hmm. we have a we have a tie for one. Wow. Well, burn down the mission must be yeah, a tied. No, I take one. I take that with my stupid ass two oh, that I gave okay. it. Okay. So, <laughs> so, um, 
so it's it's not it's still in our top five. It's still in our top five. Okay, um, but it is no, it's not number one. All right, so number one with an average score of seven point three three is my father's gun, and ah. then Ballad of a Well Known Gun. So obviously we loved gun songs because that <laughs> that is it's a good metaphor. That's yeah. our one. All right, son of your father got our uh, third. Uh, with an average score of seven, that was uh, mostly my doing with my ten uh, on that one. Uh, and then we've got a tie for fourth, so country comfort and burn down the mission. So All average right. score of six point six six on that. And Marina, with my crappy four score that I gave it, um, left it out of the, our top five. So, hey, you know your 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 opinion is val- is as valid as ours. No, as far but, as I'm it, but it's but it's not. That was <laughs> it's my wrong, that was that was my opinion from two years ago. I don't I don't believe it anymore. <laughs> okay. So, um, anyways, this this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we revisited oh, this. this. I wanted yeah. to hear you guys' take on this. This is a, absolutely the reason why I said, yeah, let's do it again. And I'm glad <laughs> we did. I'm glad we did. So this was this was great. Thanks for having me, guys. A- absolutely. So, Gabe, oh, yeah. Gabe, tell everybody where they can find all of your happenings, uh, both solo and with Tedeschi Trucks. You can find all the stuff, the places I'm playing on tour uh, at gabedixon.com tour slash tour, and then okay. I've got uh, CDs on that on gabedixon.com merch page, and I'm I'm on all the social media stuff, Instagram at Gabe Dixon, Facebook at Gabe Dixon Band, Twitter Excellent. at Gabe Dixon Music. Uh, so uh, you can sign up to find out. You can sign up with email. If you do gabedixon.com slash subscribe, you can find out. Well, whenever I send, like, make new music or start a big tour, I'll send out a, a message. But I'm around. It's easy to find me. Perfect. And I'll see you in November. November? Oh yeah, yeah, you come into one of the Florida shows, the um, TTB shows. I'll I'll be there. Dr. Cool. Phillips, Dr. Phillips. I'll be at the Beacon Theater with uh with Tedeschi Trucks band in New York last week of September and first week of October okay. and then I'm playing with my band at Rockwood Music Hall uh October, early October. Very good. All right. Excellent. All right, last question we throw this out to all of our guests. Um who do you know that I don't know that should come on our podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? And you can't say Shannon because we've already had Shannon. Oh, um, let's say, uh, you know, Dustin Ransom comes to mind. He's okay. the guy who produced my record with me, yeah. and we co-wrote a bunch of the songs. We co-wrote I Believe in Our Love. We co-wrote okay. Everything About You. We co-wrote uh, Reach in the Middle of the Night. So yeah, he's fantastic, and he just he he releases music from time to time, and yeah, he's a talented dude with a lot of opinions and a, and a deep, good knowledge of uh, of great music. So um, he'd give, be fun to me, have on. Give me a guess on what you think he'll pick. Um, well, he loves the Beatles, so you know, okay. perhaps a Beatles record. I that I almost picked a Beatles record, uh, but I don't know. It's a good. That's, I think he'll have some real trouble 
coming up with it, but <laughs> but he'll come up with something good, I'm sure. All right, we'll reach out to Dustin. That that sounds fun. All right, um, let's wrap this up. As a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes. Go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com for that. Uh, we're also on the socials. I'm mostly on Twitter at Podcast Records. Um, you can find us on Facebook as well. Just search for Records Revisited Podcast. Wayne's on the Instagram. Different content there. At Records Revisited Podcast. And of course, make sure that you go and subscribe and rate us on all of the platforms. Um, and of course, um, don't forget to join our Patreon to get episodes early. Uh, if you contribute at the guest revisitor level, you can join us on an episode to talk about one of your favorite records, which we're doing right now. Uh, with uh, we got some Springsteen, we've got some Ray LaMontagne, we've got some um, uh, Pixies. What else we got? Oh, Gaslight Anthem. So we got some good stuff coming up because of our listeners. So so thank you all for picking some cool stuff. Uh, just go to patreon.com slash records revisited podcast for all the details on that. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Now that our, our favorites are getting back out on the road, make sure you go to a live show. Just be responsible about it. Be sure to buy a T-shirt of the band and buy a record and visit a record store and not just on record store day we are records revisited and we are out